Amen. Hallelujah. 1 Corinthians 13, 13. The Bible says, Now faith, hope, and love abide, these three, but the greatest of this is love. We're going to, make, uh, we're going to conclude our series called Love uh, the, or, or the Supernatural Power of Love. Uh, the supernatural power of agape today, and we conclude that with the, with the study on agape. Now, the highest, most superior, and most radical type of love, according to the Greeks, is agape. Now, this basically is a definition that they had before Jesus came onto the scene. And so they describe agape as selfless, unconditional love. This type of love is not the sentimental outpouring that you see on movies, drama, TVs, the sort of thing, you know. It has nothing to do with feelings. They knew that. It has nothing to do with any condition. It's unconditional. It's bigger than ourselves. It's boundless in compassion, infinite in empathy. Now, in the New Testament, on the other hand, agape is being used as a love that represents something much deeper than what the Greek had defined. And we're going to look into that today. While what the Greek had said is true, what the New Testament had taught us about agape is a lot further than what's defined by the Greek, you know, thousands of years before Jesus showed up on the scene. Now, of course, Jesus has always been around, but he, he came in the flesh as the Son of God to die for us 2,000 years ago. And that's what I'm talking about. And so in the New Testament, agape represents something, like I say, much deeper. You see, the love of God is much more than just the original Greek agape had described. You know why? Because agape in God is actually spiritual. Turn to your neighbor and say spiritual. This love is spiritual. You can't do it with your emotion. You can't do it with your physical you know, ability. You can't do it with rationale. You can't do it with logic. It's illogical. It's, it's just spiritual. It's very deep. And because it is spiritual, anything that is spiritual, it's supernatural. It can actually change things, change physical things. You know, you want the physical environment to change, you go into the spirit and you pray and you pray heavens down and you pray and believe in God. And it change, if it changes in the spirit, it will change physically. That's what we believe. For those of us who are walking in the supernatural, we actually believing that, you know, we can actually change things spiritually. When you pray for somebody who is sick, you can pray for the physical symptoms or you can get straight into the spirit and come against the spirit of infirmities. That's the spirit called the spirit of infirmities. And you bind it, you take authority over it in Jesus' name and you have victory over it. And when you have victory over it in the spirit, the manifestation will come to the body. And so everything that is in the spirit controls what we see uh, um, uh, uh, physically. My iPad just went off. So in other words, you and I cannot possibly fully grasp and therefore exercise this kind of love with our own ability and reasoning or knowledge or education or emotion. The power that comes with this kind of love, therefore, is also spiritual and supernatural. And watch this, is tremendously potent in its force. Now, for example, through agape, it is through agape, it's not eros, it's not filio, it's not any other love, but agape, it is because of agape, God changed the eternal destiny of humanity from damnation and separation to life everlasting and hope eternal. It is through agape. It is through agape that Jesus died for us. It is not through any other love. 
He didn't die for you because of filial. He didn't die for you because of storage or some of the other love that we have mentioned and talked about over the past two weeks. He died for you and I because of agape. Agape is a force that compelled the God of the universe, the God of the known and unknown realms, the God of the physical realm and the, and the spiritual realm to leave all that he had, all the glory, all the power, and became one of us, compelled him. That's how powerful this love is. Come to us, die for us who are but speckles in comparison to him. Now let's take, it, let's take a look at uh, how the Bible defines agape and how we can harness it. Now there's a lot of definition everywhere. And so I'm watching my time. I know that, you know, many of us are sometimes sensitive. And by the way, if you need to go while I'm preaching, you can go. And uh, so, you know, don't feel like you are kind of in a prison. You're not. See, the door is wide open. Walk right out, you know. <laughs> and I won't be offended. Maybe not. I don't know. We will, we'll figure it out when you walk out. You know, see how you walked out, you know. If you walk out angrily, I, I don't know. Anyway, so, sorry, sorry, sorry. I got distracted easily. Amen. So let's, let's take a look at some of the scriptures, ref, some scripture references about agape. The one, the most familiar one is 1 Corinthians 13. Now, recall two weeks ago in Corinthians 13, I talk, I've been talking about it for the past two weeks. That agape is a key to flow in the nine spiritual gifts that Paul speaks about in Corinthians 12. So 1 Corinthians chapter 12, he spoke about the nine gifts. Three of the gifts are the gifts, what we call the utterance gifts. In other words, they're gifts of prophecy, gifts of tongues, gifts of interpretation. Now, and then there are three other gifts called the power gifts. We call to categorize them called power gifts. They're gifts of healings, the gifts of faith, and the gifts of working of miracles. And then there's another three gifts that we call the revelation gifts. Uh, word of knowledge, word of wisdom, and discerning of spirit. Now, when he was talking about these three, he ended and concluded the, 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 uh, the chapter 12. It was, he didn't really actually have chapter 12, but he concluded the thought of the flowing of the Spirit in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 31, if you can t- turn to it. So that at the end of having discussion, he said all these amazing gifts that God had given to the church, all these amazing gifts, we need to cover them. We need to have the desire for them. Many believers don't feel like they need to have desire for those gifts. They thought the gifts would just naturally flow into their lives. Well, you know, it won't naturally flow into your lives. You have to have earnest desire. The Word of God says that you have to but earnestly desire the higher gifts. Earnestly desire. Some people don't desire it at all, and that's why they're not operating any gifts. But I want to inspire this morning. I want to, I want, I want to pray that God will inspire this morning that you can walk your life out in the supernatural gifts. Because I tell you, friends, you and I are not, bo- are not saved, being born again, regenerated in our spirit to be just like the same old, like everybody else outside the world. You and I are called to live in the supernatural. You're not called to live in miracles. You and I are called to exercise those gifts. But you need to earnestly desire it. How do you earnestly desire it? Well, you ask for it. And another thing is that the way that you earnestly desire is that you come out and show up in church. You know, those gifts, they don't show up at home. I appreciate the people that are watching online, you know, and, and I, I'm so glad you are. We love you for watching online. But I tell you this, for you and I to exercise those spiritual gifts, it cannot happen at home. 
You cannot love, you, you cannot prophesy to yourself, interpret tongues yourself, and then pray for yourself, healing yourself. It's not meant to be that way. God had designed that these gifts can only be operated among believers. Are you here this morning? And that's why we're here. And I pray that in the days to come, that we're going to see more of those supernatural gifts being exercised again. And you know, in, in the old days when we have evening services and in the afternoon, you know, we have week, uh, midweek services, we exercise those gifts. You know, we have tongues, interpretation of tongues. I want to. I want to encourage you if, if you feel like you know you want to utter some tongues during the service and then there's somebody who want to interpret God has caused give you an urge to interpret go ahead and interpret that but it cannot happen unless we gather together as the saints are you here this morning so we need to earnestly desire desire by asking and also showing up in the body of Christ and that and then Paul says but I'm going to show you another way that is a more excellent ways some of you are sitting there, does it mean that I don't have to come? Well, let's see. Mm. What is the better way? Then he went into 1 Corinthians chapter 13. And we're going to, learn, we're going to start learning about the love of God. So he's, he's showing us the better way is actually love, but not any love. Agape. Agape love. It's a different love. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 4. He said, love is patient, love is kind. You understand that? That's easy to understand. Love does not envy or boast. We're talking about agape now. Agape is patient. Agape is kind. Agape does not envy. If you're envious people, they're having a bigger car, nicer home, you need to walk back into agape. Okay? If you, if you feel like you're boasting sometimes, you know, um, you know, even preachers, we like to embellish sometimes, you know, and uh, we have to walk that back. And I ask for forgiveness sometimes when I'm driving home, I say, God, I, I think I'm just leaving out some information to make it sound different. I pray that you forgive me. We got to walk back, right? It's, it is not arrogant. Agape is not arrogant. Next verse. Or rude. Ooh, shaka. Don't be rude. Hello. When you leave this place today, you know, with cars, all the cars leaving, you know, be kind. Just say, let people pass, shaka. Don't be rude. Don't be rude in the subway. Don't be rude, you know. It does not insist of its own way, either my way or the highway, or irritable. How many of you, no, don't need to raise your hand, feel very irritable when you start driving on a highway or local traffic? Especially these days. I mean, people driving skills are getting worse and worse. Even truck drivers, they used to be so nice. And you know those bus drivers, you know those big vehicles, they, they really they used to be so nice. I remember when I was a kid, those truck drivers are the nicest people on planet Earth. These days, you better watch out, they'll run you over and crash you into pieces. And you know, no wonder we are irritable. It's like, goodness me, you know, did they not go to any trucking school? You know, the other day, this big, this big truck, he was like swerving in and out. I've never seen this in my life. It's like, what is wrong with this person, right? I mean, it's so dangerous. He's got all these big loads in his bag and, and you know, megatons at his back. He was just whoosh, whoosh, as if he was driving a little mini or something, you know? It's like, what is this? So it's easier to be very irritable in these days. But, you know, agape is not irritable. Even with those crazy truck drivers. It's not resentful. I know sometimes, you know, being not a perfect pastor in the world, I cause people to resent me. 
You don't need to say an amen, of course. <laughs> amen. It does not rejoice in wrong, at wrongdoing, but rejoices with truth. Love bears all things. Everybody say bears all things. You can take it. If you have agape, you know, eros cannot bear all things. Even filio cannot bear all things. Only agape can bear all things. If you feel that like you cannot bear all things, maybe friends, you have not exercised agape yet. You may be able to you're all, all sing all the chorus and do all the things, but if you can't bear all things, you know, we, in our society, they say we're so polarized, you know, we just can't stand each other, even with a political view, you know. Family reunion and family Thanksgiving now become like a World War III. Everybody's fighting and so afraid of the other, the other people's opinion, you know. We cannot bear anything anymore. But Christians, this is our time to shine, that you ought to bear all things. If they disagree with the theology, they disagree with your doctrine of belief, they disagree with whatever, you bear all things. You don't need to have the last word. Are you here this morning? Believe all things. I talked about it just now. Believe all things as a child. Believe. Don't be cynical. You know, every time when people tell you about miracles, you know, first, well, some of our first reaction is like, I don't know. You know, somebody tell you, oh, you know, this baby got raised from the dead. Oh, maybe she didn't die in the first place, you know. This kind of cynicism. You know, we're living in a very cynical culture. Agape is actually to be supposed to counter that. If you have agape, you will believe all things. Believe in people. Believe that God has called them. Believe that they will make it. Believe that even though they don't behave accordingly as a Christian, believe that the Spirit of God is in them, and one day they will walk in the fullness of God. Believe in all things. Believe the destiny that God had given you. Believe the hope that He had given you. Believe all things. That's what we're supposed to do. If you have agape love, you believe all things. Hopes all things, endures all things. Here we go again, endurance all things. And love never ends. As for prophecy, they will pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, you will pass away. For now we know in part. Now if that's your Bible, you're reading a Bible, I want you to circle the word part. What is that he is talking about? We know in part. And we prophesy in part. Verse 10. That's the key now. But when the perfect comes, underlying that word perfect, the partial will pass away. Okay, remember that. When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child, reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I gave up childish ways. For now we see in the mirror dimly, but when face to face. But then face to face, sorry. Now I know in part, then I shall fully know, even as I have been fully known. You know, in the, um, in the early, I don't know, uh, in the 40s and 50s, or maybe even earlier, it has been established by the evangelical Protestants that um, when we go back to verse 10, if you can pull out verse 10 again, it says that, um, uh, but when the perfect comes, Part, the partial pass away. So they reason that we no longer need miracles. We no longer need prophecies or any of the gifts that Paul spoke about because perfect has come. They reason that perfection means that the Bible has been fully canonized as we have it today. 
In other words, the Bible had put together. So when the Bible and the Word of God is fully put together, it is now perfect. And because of that, we don't need any of the healings, miracles, signs and wonders. And they reason that those crazy charismatic and Pentecostals who are doing all kinds of nice gifts, they are crazy. It's of demons. They even blaspheme against the Holy Spirit. And even today, that group is actually diminishing very quickly. They've been ditching very quickly because over the past 60 years, we have, see, we have seen the amazing manifestation of the nine gifts in the body of Christ. We've literally heard about people being raised from the dead because of the gift of faith and the gift of healing and miracles. We have seen signs and wonders. One reason why Christianity has exploded over the past 40 years, especially among the Pentecostals, is because they were to look outside North America and the Western countries is that Christianity is the fastest growing faith in the world. Why? Because of the many signs and wonders. And those people who reason that perfection has come, they are actually contradicting themselves. Because in the same breath that Paul says that all this will go away, he also says knowledge will go away. Not only prophecy will go away, but knowledge will go away. And yet all these people who insist perfection had come, they've been building Bible schools everywhere. If knowledge had passed away, why are you still building Bible school? It makes zero sense. And so knowledge, you know, perfection had, you know, they said the, 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 the idea that perfection, the Bible canonization is the Bible doesn't make any sense. Now, those of us who are in charismatic movement, you know, word of faith, healing, we have been proposing perfect actually comes when Jesus comes. Well, don't amen too soon yet. I'm going to jar your theology today. You see, in this scripture, chapter 12, 11, 12, 13, 14, Paul is not talking about second coming at all. If you want to take it in context, I will propose to you what he means by perfect is agape. But when agape comes, the partial will pass away. Ladies and gentlemen, do you know why that we cannot flow freely in the nine gifts? The reason is because most believers haven't grasped what the gap is, nor live in them. I said it last week, is that the best way to operate, Paul actually said that the best way to operate in the gifts is to flow in agape. To flow in this amazing, supernatural love of God. And one reason why we prophesy partially, we speak partially, everything is partial, is because our love is not full. Our agape is not fully grasped and practiced in the house of God. I will propose to you that those who can actually flow freely in those gifts are the ones that flow freely in agape love. If you want to operate in those supernatural gifts, and yes, we are called to operate in those supernatural gifts, we need to flow in agape love. Not filial, not brotherly love, not any other love, but agape love. You can love your brother because you like them, and then hate the other guys because they upset you. You can never, and if that is the case, then you would never be able to flow in the gifts of the Spirit. You may be able to flow partially. You may be able to do partially because you're partially operating in agape. 
But when the fullness, when the perfect comes, when agape is fully exercised, all the partial is going to go away. We won't prophesy in part anymore. We won't see in the mirror dimly, but we can see in the mirror as though he's seeing face to face. And now I know in part because I have no agape fully practiced, then I will know fully. Do you realize that if you are operating agape, you're going to know more of God. You're going to have more revelation of God. Agape is a key to hold everything that is spiritual. Are you here this morning? Because if you do not have a gap there, you can have all the education, all the knowledge, all the song, all the techniques, all the revelation. It means absolutely nothing. If you are not operating the gifts, check the agape department. This is where the rubber meets the road. You can talk all the talk, sing all the song, have all the smoke. I like smoke, by the way. But you can even have all the smoke, but you haven't got the agape, they just smoke. But you want the glory of God to be in this place? Friends, it's not the song we sing. It's not even the word I preach. It's the agape that flows in this place. Come on. Some of us have been waiting for revival. I would submit to you this morning that revival is waiting for us. The reason we cannot flow in revival is because there is a lack of understanding and practice of what we call agape. I'm not judging you. Some of you are very busy. You have busy lives. But you know, oftentimes we go to church like this size. It's like going to theater. You go in, you get your goods, and you get out of here. You hit the road, and you don't even talk to anybody. That is not agape love. That's called going to theater. Because when you leave theater, you don't have a fellowship with the guys that sit beside you. It's like, oh, it was a great movie. No, you don't even talk to them. You act like they don't even exist. And unfortunately, in churches sometimes, you know, I don't want to put any undue pressure on you. But if you and I ever want to flow in the supernatural, in the gifts of God, this is the key. Agape is the key. Without agape, we are not perfect. But some people say, well, you know, we can never actually live in perfect agape. Well, if that is the case, then God would not have encouraged us to do it. Because what kind of God do you think he is that he, when he knows that we cannot actually live in a gap and still tell us to do it? Hello? That'd be crazy. What kind of God is that? It's like telling my son, you know, I tell my son, you know, you know boy, you, 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 you can, you know, knowing that he can, telling him to do something that he couldn't, you know, you can, you can fly off, you can fly off the mountain, you can fly off the highest building, just, just spread your wings and just believe, hallelujah. That's crazy. You know, if a, as a human father would never expect the children to do things beyond their ability, neither would God expect you and I to do things beyond our ability. Are you here this morning? So the fact that God is telling us that, yes, agape love is what we need to practice, tells me that it is possible. Turn to your neighbor and say, it is possible. To agape one another. No, you can't agape it at home. It's not agapable. You can't agape yourself. There's no agape yourself. Oh, I agape my love. Nonsense. There's no such thing. I agape Jesus as myself. That is so unscriptural. You don't agape yourself, you got agape people. Now, agape, as you know, is unconditional. Agape is loving somebody that is not lovely. You know, you come to church of this size, you know, 
You hang out with people that you like to talk to normally. That's filial. That's good. But agape, if you want to flow in the supernatural, go talk to the person that's standing by him or herself that nobody talks to and become a friend and pour your heart out to that person. Girls with girls, boys with boys. Otherwise, people will misunderstand. You know what I mean? Like, if especially those pretty girls, you know, you're trying to agape with some of the guys. They have some wrong ideas. So the smart thing is guys with guys, girls with girls. Right? I'm not trying to set a rule here, you know, but I'm, I'm just trying to say, you know, for the people that just buy them, this, this is a good place to start. Now turn with me to 1 John chapter 4. There's another discussion about agape again. Verse 7, we're going to read from verse 7. Beloved, let us agape one another for agape, agape one another for agape is from God. Agape is a verb of agape. So for the love is from God. So agape is from God. It's not from myself. You can't conjure it out. You can't, pray, you know, can't do it on your own. Whoever agapio, no, no, you're too fast. Go back to seven. Whoever agapio love, whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. In other words, how you agape tells us if you know God. You can know the scripture. You can even be church for a million years. My goodness, I hope you haven't been in church for a million years. But you can be in church for a long time. But friends, if you don't know how to agape, tells me, it tells me that you do not know God. Because that's what it says. This is not a statement of judgment. I hope it's a statement of inspiration. Do you want to know God more? Well, love with unconditional divine love is the way to go. Yes, we take discipleship class. Yes, we... I just heard somebody snoring. I thought, who is snoring in my service? Is that little guy over there. His parents had, had to come to church at 8 o'clock in the morning, you know, worship practice and all that. And it's poor little guy, you know. I just so appreciate their parents, you know. <laughs> Look at that. It's like, you're snoring in my service, you know. <laughs> ah. I have another joke, but I won't tell it. Um, anyway, so, you know, if you, if, you want to, if you want to really know God, it's how you love, okay? Verse 12, no one has ever seen God. If we love one another, if we agape one another, God abides in us. When does God abide in us? When we love one another, if we love, agape one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us, 13. By this, by agape, we know that we abide in him and he in us. How do you know that you're in the kingdom of God? How do you know you are born again, a child of God? Is it because of the knowledge you have, the money you gave and the steps that you've taken? No, none of them is important if you don't have agape. You have the, yeah, that, that is the litmus test of whether or not we are in God. By this we know that we abide in him and he in us because he has given us his spirit. In other words, only, watch this, the spirit of God, with the spirit of God, with the Holy Spirit, can we agape. You cannot, the people outside the world, they don't know how to agape. Even if their life depends on it. Depend on it, sorry. People outside the world who have not been born again, they cannot possibly agape, even if they try. 
It's beyond our ability. Verse 16. So we have come to know and believe the love that God has for us. God is love. Now that is God is agape, not God is eros or God is filial. You know, a lot of people in the world, they try to interpret the Bible with English and they say, oh, God is love, love is God. And therefore, you know, all the, all the sexual sin is God. No. Agape, not anything else. That's God. And you have God, you have agape. If you don't have God, the true God now, not some other gods, true God of heaven and earth who gives agape. If you have agape, you have him. And if you have him, you have agape. God does love whoever abides in love. Agape abides in God. Whoever stays in other words, you stay in the place of agape and you stay in God. Some people say, you know, I just can't sense the presence of God when I come and worship God. Well, you know how you can fix that? Start having a gap for one another. Your worship experience will be radically transformed. You know, in our culture these days, people just go to conferences after conferences want to feel God. There's nothing wrong with that, I guess. But a lot of times it's just an emotional thing. You want you have a radical worship experience, you have agape in your lifestyle. Then when you come to the presence of God, friends, nobody needs to play a drum or, or, or have a smoke to get you inspired to sing and worship because you'll be so available and ready to enter into the presence of the Almighty God when you're operating in agape. Now let's go to 17. That's going to be another, another Greek studies here, okay? Now, by this love, by this is love perfected with us so that we may have confidence for the day of judgment because as he is, so also are we in this world. I don't know about you, but you know, if you just read it on face value, it makes zero sense. Number one, love, agape, which is from God, can never be more perfected than what it is. So if you love it, read it and face. So when I read this, I had to read it like five times. I said, God, I don't understand. So I went to the Greek. You know, Greek is always very good, right? So I went to the Greek. You know, I realized that the word with is the key to every understanding in this whole scripture. If you, if you understand what the, how they come up with the word with, then you understand that, you know, the, 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 the whole context is different. So I learned that the word with is actually translated from a, a meta words. In other words, it's a primary proposition in the Greek's grammar. Depending on the context, it's as most, as, it is as often translated as uh, with as of. Okay? So it could be translated as, as of. Right? So it says, by this love perfected with us, could be translated this following way. And if you translate this following way, it makes sense. By this, love has made perfect of us so that we may have confidence in that day of judgment because we have not been made perfect, right? Because he is perfect, so are we now perfection in this world. How does he perfect us? How does he make us perfect? It's with his agape. You can go ask Greek scholar, if you don't believe me. I'm no Greek. But love, agape, 
can transform us to become perfect as He is. It's not theology. It's not education. It's not your knowledge. It's agape that will make you perfect as He is. We stand before God today. We are perfect because of agape. We are perfect not because of how much we've earned, how much we've given, how many courses we've taken. That's the worldly standard. Now let's flow to another thought, verse 18. For there is no fear in agape. Here, another concept. You see, when you have agape, you don't have any fear. In other words, you don't have faith in, in the opposite of what God is saying. You see, fear is a form of faith. Let me give you an example. You know, if you believe in the lies of the devil that God cannot provide for you, you actually have to believe in that lie in order for you not to believe that God will provide for you. Do you understand? Did that make any sense? So if you believe in the lies that the devil is telling you that God can't provide, then you actually have faith in what the devil tells you as opposed to having faith of God, what God tells you that he will supply all your needs according to his riches and glory. So now you're having faith on the negative. You know, people have fear of their finances and, and so forth is because they actually believe in the lies of the system of the world and the, and the narrative of the system of the world. But if you are really walking in agape, you will have full faith because, you know, you learn in other scriptures that this love actually fuels your faith. Faith not in the things of the world or the statement of the devil, but faith in God. You know, when I was a kid, some of you heard this before, you know, I used to, I was really afraid of the dark. And I remember kids, you know, we always just lie to each other and just embellish things, right? So one of, our, one of the youth at church, you know, and uh, not youth, but I was, just, I was just like maybe, I don't know, really young, maybe six, seven, eight years old, you know. And I was sitting listening to some of those older youths having a conversation. They're trying to scare each other. You know how young people, teenagers try to scare each other, you know, talking nonsense stories. And then this one guy was saying, you know, hey, you know, uh, I, I, my neighbors, you know, like he was, he, was, he was in the bathroom. He was peeing in the bathroom. And then there was a green hand came out of the toilet, you know. And he ran. And so from that point onwards, I actually had this thought in my head and this imagination. Every time I go to the toilet, I was worried about the green hands. And I tried to run away from the green hands. I was like, don't grab me now. Don't grab me now. It's not a good time to grab me, you know. Well, you know, I had faith in those lies. And that's, for, that's why I was fearful. But there is no fear. There is tremendous clarity when there's agape. Because when you have agape, perfect love is agape, it'll cast out fear. What are you afraid of today? What are you fearful of today? Because whoever fears has not been perfected in love. What are you afraid of? You're afraid that you're going to die of sickness? You're afraid that you won't be provided for? You're afraid that God is not faithful enough? What is it you're afraid of? What is driving your fear to drive your decision? Because many people are making decisions out of fear. You can make decisions either out of faith or you can make decisions out of fear. Most of us make decisions out of fear because we don't have faith in the Word of God. If we have faith in the Word of God, we will not have fear. 
So, you know, if you are fearful, I want to encourage you. Begin to walk in that agape. I'll tell you, the fear will disappear. You will not be fearful anymore, but you will be full of faith. I'm going to touch on that more uh, in the next few, uh, couple of seconds, but go to verse 20. If anybody says, I love God and hates his brother, he's a liar. For he who does not agape his brother whom he has seen cannot possibly agape God whom he has not seen. And this, is, and this commandment we have from him, whoever agape God must also agape his brother. This is how you know you truly have a gap for God. That is, if you love your brother unconditionally. It's easy to love your brother that you know well, that have the same culture as you. But if you want to really walk in a gap, you're going to have to love your brother that don't talk well to you. You know that people that you talk to them, they just give you one word answer. Those are the hardest people to get along with. Right? How you doing? Great. What's your name, Charles? How's the weather? Great. Okay. What are you doing this week? Nothing. I mean, you try to strike a conversation, but they just, they're so unlovable. These are the people that we ought to embrace and love. Create some conversation. Oh, I like your shoes, even though they have ugly shoes. But, oh, I like your shoes. Really? It's broken. Yeah, I like it anyways. I know, that would be lying. No, no, don't go lie. But just, uh, you, know, you know what I mean? <laughs> anyways, let's go to Galatians chapter 5, verse 6. It just goes back to the idea of faith. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything, but only faith, only faith working through what? Agape. Do you know that if you have faith, you know, faith comes by hearing, hearing the Word of God. But if you want your faith to be fueled, so the Word of God can set the fire on in your faith. But you want your faith to be fueled, to be, to be exploding. You add the fuel of love. When you add love to the faith that God had planted in you through hearing of the Word of God, my friends, I tell you, your faith will explode. You can believe in God for anything. You know, we talk about the gift of faith in, in the nine gifts that we are to operate in. The only way, the, the best way, the most fluent way to operate in that is through love. It's the same idea. If you're struggling with the faith area, you got to check the agape department. And if you are lacking agape, make a decision today. I'm going to love people that don't even want to talk to me. Some of you are too shy to talk to people because you worry that if you talk to, you know, some cool guys, they will not talk to you. And then you'll be all embarrassed and feel humiliated. But I want to encourage you. Go up to them anyways. If they humiliate you, you agape them back. Hallelujah. You're going to start walking in faith in Jesus' name. Can I hear an amen? You know, there's some people that you're so worried if they're going to respond to you positively. It's like, if I talk to them and reject me, I feel rejected. Therefore, I don't want to talk to them, right? But I want to encourage you by faith. Have some bonus. Go and approach people in agape. Worship team, can you come out? I'm almost done. Let me show you one example of how Jesus lived out his agape love. What I shared so far is not as radical as what he did. The next one is in Luke. I'm going to close with this, 23 verse 34. You know, Jesus was being crucified. He was being nailed on the cross and being persecuted. And in the midst of that pain, 
humiliation. He prayed that, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And he cast lots to divide his garments. This is agape love. You pray and you seek for the well-being of those who hates you, who hate you. They'll be like, you know, somebody at a workplace, you know, backbiting and bad-mouthing you. And then you got fired and you found out who that was. You call your boss. You do nothing but to praise the person that had just caused you to get fired. And then you ask for his promotion. That is agape. Friends, I want to tell you this. We can love like the world loves and he has no power in it. Not that kind of power we're talking about. He has the worldly power. Or we can love with the love of Jesus, with the agape love that is so counterintuitive, so counter to what our culture tells us. And when people offend us, we bless them. When they take our tunic, we just gave it to them. When they slap us, we turn the other cheek around. Yeah, I know it's easier to say than do it. But I want to tell you this, is that if you and I ever want to walk fully in the supernatural, it starts with this. And I pray today that you and I, after the service finishes, as you walk out of the lobby, you make a decision, should I just go to the parking lot right away? And if you need to go, you need to go. It's family Sunday, everybody's busy, you want to do something? Actually, family Sunday, nobody should be busy, right? It's holiday. But anyways, if you're busy, you've got plans, I understand. But you know, if you would just invest your time to give it to someone that can never give it back to you, bring them down for coffee, Buy them a coffee, for goodness sake, on us. <laughs> Buy them a coffee. Say, I'll treat you with a snack. Buy it on us. Extend your love. Don't talk to the people that you usually chat with. You can talk to them in small groups. You say, I don't have small group to go to. Well, it's time to go to a small group. But talk to the people that you don't usually talk to. Make them feel a home, love on them. Would you please stand?